Do you like data centers? Cause I love data centers! I love data centers. Data centers. Data centers. I love data centers! We love data centers! Woo! Welcome and thank you for listening. This is your host, Sean Patrick Terrio, founder, CEO, and catalyst of Open Spectrum. What you can expect to find here on this podcast are fresh new conversations with some of the most successful, experienced, and fascinating players that I have met while working in the data center marketplace over the past decade. For those who already know me, this probably goes without saying, but I can assure you new listeners that there will be no marketing fluffery or sales BS here. In fact, this is specifically a no marketing fluffery and sales BS zone, at least for the next hour or so. My objective is pure. It's to simply share some raw, honest advice and entertaining stories that will hopefully teach you something new, maybe something thought-provoking and maybe even enjoyable about the industry that drives the brave new digital world that we live in today. Mr. Phil Keenan, thank you so much for joining me here on the I Love Data Centers podcast. Hi, Sean. How you doing? So, Phil, I definitely wanted to spend time chatting with you, and I think our listeners will enjoy this conversation for a variety of reasons, uh, the least of which is you come from a, a background that is not uh, typical for someone who's an executive working at a master agency, uh, Phil being the president at Microcorp, the oldest master agency out of Atlanta, Georgia, which we'll get into here in a bit. But um, we have a unique relationship that we forged a little over two and a half years ago and evolved just recently that was announced at the Channel Partner Expo. But um, before I get into all of that, Phil, tell me, tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do today, uh, and then I've got some questions to, to help our audience really understand where you've come from, which I think is the most fascinating piece of this whole story. Okay. Well, my name is Phil Keenan. Um... I'm the president of Microcore. As you say, I am new to this industry, but I guess we'll get into that with your, uh, your questions in a minute, um, or relatively new to this industry. Uh, you might tell I've got a slight accent. Um, I'm from the UK, um, but I've been in the US now for, oh man, uh, 20 years. Uh, I've been running sales channels on a worldwide basis for longer than I really want to remember. Uh, live here in Atlanta. Uh, where Microcore are headquarters. Um, if you don't know Microcore, we're one of the uh, top six master agents in uh, in the country, founded in telecom, and looking to diversify what we do um, because the industry is changing, which I think we're going to get into later in this chat. Definitely. All right. So with that is the founding context. How the heck does someone with a mining geology major from the UK get into the telecom and and technology industry did you did you have a background did you have family or relatives that were in and around tech how did you stumble into the tech space oh you have to be kidding me oh my god when at first that you actually know that i have a mining geology degree it's frightening there about three people in the world know that so you must have looked at my we've had many pints together my friend this has definitely come up in conversation (laughs) um Oh, God, so many years ago when I graduated from a university, uh, there were no jobs in mining. Just literally the whole world depressed. 
And frankly, I didn't want to crawl around the back end of nowhere in Australia taking soil samples for a geochem analysis. Um, so my first job, believe it or not, was sending vacuum cleaners door to door. And you laugh, but it's that's where you cut your teeth in feature advantage benefit selling. And so many things that I learned from those early months in my career, I think I did it for nearly a year, um, I apply to what I do today because they're just fundamental in selling. Most people don't even know the difference between um, uh, a feature, an advantage, and a benefit. And um, they're just fundamental to selling, making proposals. But anyway, obviously, I wasn't going to do that for a for a career. Uh, if anything else, it was embarrassing my mum too much after putting me through college. Uh, boasting about her son sending vacuum cleaners door to door was not something she wanted to do. <laughs> gotcha. So, so you know, my first foray into uh, but then I was hooked on selling, and um, my first foray into uh, um, technology was God, it's so long ago. These were Daisy Will. Printer, Daisy Will typewriters, and they were phenomenal. You could program them and all that sort of thing. And the only thing around PCs at the time were really screen add-ons. So you had word processor screen add-ons, and you had these proprietary operating system PC add-ons. And the debate at the time was, well, do you need a PC? No, you're better off with a dedicated word processor. Blah blah blah. So I did that for a while, um, and then I joined. What was a, quite an early phase startup, which is EMC Corporation, and I joined them in the UK um, as a salesperson. Went through the sales school at EMC, um, came over here and worked with them for for a year. So I was with EMC for quite a while. But when I left them, they were a hundred million dollar business and going out of business very quickly. Wow. We were put we were putting memory into um, 3080 computers, and they were going up in smoke. Uh, we were putting DASDI disk drives onto System 38, and companies were they were crashing and burning. And if you know the architecture of a System 38, you lose one drive, you lose everything. So they were quite interesting times. But but look at EMC now. But I left them when I was back in the UK um, after oh god I don't know four or five years, and. Um, then I just continued in, in the technology area. Um, I joined a company um, which made video MCUs. Um, and I started, they were they were tiny. They were about, um, I think What's it was an MCU people. real quick for those, you know, what for both myself MCU? and those listening. Yeah. What a multi-point control unit. Um, if you do an audio bridge, an audio bridge, the physical device which does audio bridging is a multi-point control unit but for audio everybody calls them audio bridges well a video bridge or a multi-point control unit is the same thing and it lets uh, three or more parties be involved in a, in a video conference and um, you would know it best of all for the Brady Bunch effect you know when you've got four or four yeah. six eight people up on the screen at the same time but it, it, it deals with all the video switching and um voice switch and inclusion of data, et cetera. It's really the networking piece of the video industry. Yes. So um, I started video server up in the, in the UK, literally from my front room. Um, grew them through, through Europe, mostly with PTTs and a few resellers, and then took them into Asia, mostly China. The video conferencing was very big in China. 
and um, grew that business to about 40% of the, the company's business. It did an IPO. Um, and then I joined a company, uh, a startup competitor out of Israel. And I joined them to do worldwide sales. And um, we took that from no revenue to 80% market share in a little over four years, which was phenomenal, really. Um, and based on that, we were acquired by Polycom, um, who I think most people know from video and probably more now, nowadays from their phones and their conference phones. Um, so when we were acquired by, by Polycom, uh, they asked me to, to move over from London instead of commuting backwards and forwards, which I've done for the previous three years. Um, and um, maybe the general manager of that division, we became the network systems division of Polycom. And I was with Polycom and a called for man, close on 10 years. So I, I am a video bigger. But I ran worldwide sales at Polycom, ran a division of Polycom, did strategy for them over over those those years. I came out of Polycom, had a brief spell at uh, at Norhell. Hmm. Um, they went bankrupt. I was building up their um, their telepresence services division, and then I went to uh, Mitel, uh, ran Mitel North America, um, completely overhauled the whole of their sales strategy in North America. Um, I think in the first year I grew sales up forty percent. It was ridiculous, um, just by embracing the channel. But up until that point, all of my experience in channels, which had been on a worldwide basis, had all been bars, uh, video systems integrators, uh, interconnects, um, to a degree MSPs, um, and that channel uh, has a way of behaving which is very different. To the channel I'm involved with today. So before before we get into that, what inspired you to leave that space? Did you just see the writing on the wall, or did you, you know, look for a different type of opportunity? Like what what inspired you to go from one industry to a completely different industry? Well, interesting enough, part of it's um, part of it's uh, opportunity and timing, as always in most people's career. Um, the other was, if I'm brutally honest with you, I was just fed up with corporate America. Um, the diving catch for earnings per share every quarter, the quarterly business reviews, cutting costs to make earnings per share what the, the shareholders want it to be. It's an unhealthy way of doing business. And and just like a lot of our agents today, they, they went, hmm, there's, there's a better way of coming at this and building a business. And so when I came out of my hotel, I could have I could have jumped back into that, but then I met Brad and Karen. Microcore, it was speculative more than anything else. And we just started talking. And I went, This is very interesting. This channel is a channel I knew nothing about. And I could see the possibilities for this channel going forward. And agents and um, agent like bars and MSPs are blazing a trail of opportunities. It's the new, it's the new channel. And I could see that even four years ago. So um, it was really a chance to do something different, something exciting. And uh, we're, always, we're seeing that happening in the industry today. Were you headhunted by Microcorp? Uh, no, I can't. I, I think I was just messing around on the web and they were posting a job for a, a senior executive vice president of sales. 
And I went, and, and it said national telecom provider out of Atlanta. And I went, who on earth is that? <laughs> so that's really how it just happened. And I, I came down and met with, with Brad and Karen and started learning about the business. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a decision to take a different route in life. But interesting enough, it's, it's been an opportunity to learn a completely new channel, but also bring um, a lot of my experience, um, not just from a sales perspective, but from running R&D, software development, you know, quality assurance, uh, operations, um, when I was at Polycom. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, obviously, I'll get into this in a little bit, but the experience that you have not working for traditional carriers, um, throughout your career, I think brought a unique perspective and what, you know, is, could you somehow define how you kind of view the world a little bit differently than, than the traditional, um, telecommunications, you know, carrier, carrier agent model? Well, I think the channels which I'm used to are driven by, uh, what is your, uh, what's your discount? Um, What's my quarterly rebate? Uh, how do we manage rebates so they don't destroy marketplaces? Uh, what's the latest spiff? Um, how easy is the product to install? Uh, how many spares do I need to hold? And they're all business, very business-like decision points. And of course, there's always a relationship as part of that. Um, in many respects, you're sort of wedded to a to those sorts of channels because it's if I suddenly make uh, my product too complicated to install or it doesn't work and a VAR or a channel has geared up to support that product they're kind of um, kind of screwed because they can't just switch vendor just like that it's not easy to do so there's always this tension in the relationship around maximizing discounts because of the margins in the hardware business continue to decline and this sort of mutual, mutual assured destruction if we don't look after each other. It's 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 really a tension in the in the channel. The business this side is completely flipped, like one hundred eighty degrees. It's it's all about um, all about the relationship, and providers need to be able to put their solution in seamlessly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But an agent can move from one provider to another provider uh, overnight. Um, so it's all about the relationship. And it's taken me a while to really understand what does that relationship mean? And at the end of the day, my job is, Mr. Agent Partner, I've got your back in lots of different ways, which is very different to to the, to the the bar community it's it's not so tangible it's not so measurable um other than that i think it's just general good practice it, the um the master agent channel or the agent channel has grown up and matured in the i've been a little over four years now and it's really grown up and matured um just sound business practice um organizing your business having financial plans a five-year outlook um leveraging operational costs all that sort of stuff never really happened in the channel but it's it, it's happening now at least with the top master agency so 
within Microcorp, you've seen that business as well grow over the last last few years. Um, and being based in Atlanta, it, it's interesting for me coming from California. I had not I had not heard of Microcorp um, until my partner Todd Smith called me up and said that he had met uh, someone who was working with uh, Microcorp down in Texas. And that we should have a conversation because I had been banging down the doors of the the other master agents, kind of speaking to them about the training that that I do and the um, the relationships that I had on the data center and hosting side of the house that I was trying to bring into those firms. And for the most part, just getting crickets uh, from a lot of these companies. And the conversation always led back to, well, how much volume are you doing? Uh, you know, what what value do you have to us from a sales perspective in terms of volume? Um, the education, the training, the the relationships were kind of you know uh, a necessary, uh, ne- not even a necessary evil, an unnecessary component um, for a lot of those firms. Uh, but when I talked to you, it was almost like a breath of fresh air, and I you know I liken it to the fact that you don't have a traditional carrier background. Um, so what what was it that you saw specifically in what Open Spectrum was doing you know two and a half years ago when we sat down that made you kind of see see what the heck it was that I that we had going on in a different light. Yeah, so at the time I was I think we were in the early days of our team alliance program, at least finalizing that program. And um what was that program all about? Well, if you look at what well, I'm a huge believer in ecosystems. And you know, this co-opetition environment. We and and we see it being used great effect well the cell phones are the ultimate model but with the with the app stores etc uh but you see in the back in the day vmware cisco emc all playing together in their pods and dual compensation and it, it it just happens everywhere um it's the new way of selling nobody can do anything everything on their own so if you're going to create what are now becoming very complex and broad range solutions with customers the only way you can get at that is by working with partners within an ecosystem. Um, and some ecosystems are um, their value; they're driven by their intrinsic value, which is, you know, um, which is compelling. I mean, can you imagine having uh, an Apple phone or a, or a Samsung phone and not having Android Play Store or, you know, or whatever? It just it wouldn't have the same value. Those those people couldn't compete. But that has massive compelling value. In our industry, the massive compelling value isn't so evident, so you have to have a very structured environment. So what I was trying to do at the time was put together a set of contracts which protected um, both the account owner, i.e. our agent partner, and the expert that they were engaging to work together to give a complete solution to their customers and those contracts protected behavior. Um, like you'll behave well. You won't steal my customers. You protect my intellectual property. You don't steal my. You don't solicit my employees. All the stuff people worry about. Because at the end of the day, the customer base is what feeds the family in the agent partner world. So you want to protect your base as you engage with experts. And then you also want a predictable and fair way of being paid. And what Microcore really is is we're we're kind of the amex platinum of the of the agent world and just like when you buy something on 
on platinum versus, I don't know, Joe Provitz Visa. With Amex, you know, they've got your back. You know, they reverse charges immediately. They investigate. They give you protection and coverage. They're all the things that we do. So, you know, if we're the quarterback of that ecosystem and we're joining together experts with agents, that is, to me, a, a great solution going forward and very innovative because typically what a master agent will do is they'll fill their line card up with, I don't know, 150, 200 vendors, and it's, it's just a price shop. I don't think that's helpful to to our partners, especially as the industry's changing. Yeah. And, and you, when you I say think, price shop, I, I like to use the word just transactional, right? So it's, you know, just give me a quote for X and then, or give me multiple quotes from multiple vendors for X and then I'll run with it from there. And customer is going to choose the lowest cost option and then make a transaction happen, right? Yeah, and that, that can work in transactional type opportunities and network is becoming more and more transactional. SD-WAN aside, but, you know, putting in a 15-site MPLS deal is, is a very transactional thing nowadays. It wasn't back in the day, but as with all technology, as technology matures, it either integrates into something else or it becomes very transactional. Well, the world that we're now living in is completely changing. And network will become more and more transactional. So, yeah, you can price shop that. But network is only part of the solution. As everything goes into the cloud now, you can think of network in the old days as a computer bus, backplane. Um, and that's what the network is. It gets you to your resources, which are sitting in the cloud. But it, it's pretty much transactional. The, the complicated stuff is what sits in the cloud. And you have to play. Network is just part of the solution. So it might be a transactional part of the solution, but it's not the overall solution. And if you're not contemplating that with your customers and, and advising them, you're not going to win the deals because someone else is doing that. The trick is how do we empower our agent partners to be able to do that complete solution? Because you can't train your way there. It's impossible. I mean, you can help. You can make people aware, you can get them to understand what opportunities might be out there. But to have um, a complex discussion which involves security, uh, data planning, looking at contracts, uh, that's experience. And that's what I was trying to do with the ecosystem, um, marrying people up with experience with people with the relationships. So in, in the conversations that we had uh, early on, I was, I think you recall, probably I was almost in tears during our meeting because I had been through about eight or nine of these conversations with owners of different masters and uh, just the conversation was falling on deaf ears. The response was always, well, we have a guy in house, you know, one person who's worked almost their entire career at one company who's our quote unquote expert on your art or quote unquote agnostic expert on SD-WAN or on security or on data center or hosting or whatever it was. And I'm banging my head against the wall saying, look, you know, there's a mountain of intelligence and years of experience and relationships that is agnostic that I'm bringing to the table. And I just didn't understand how they didn't see value in that. What, what was it specifically that was said where you were like, holy crap, there's something here. Like what, what flipped that for you? I don't think it was any one thing in particular other than it was very clear 
where open spectrum fitted into the solution cycle. Um, what I what I saw happening, and I fell into the same trap early, early on when Microcore was trying to get into this business. We put in, we expanded our line card with the the right people from the provider point of view, I think, um, and we were trying to play in a game that everybody else played in, which was um, let's ring Microcore and let's get price for let's get a price for half a rack. And the sales engineer would say, "Oh, ask a few qualifying questions and come back with." Well, here's three alternatives, you know, good, better, better. And it went absolutely nowhere. And as I was starting to learn this business, because this is a few years back, I was trying to wonder, wonder what, what, what's not working. And the thing is, what's not working is this isn't the same as network, or at least network as it is now. It, it's a complete solution sale. Um, and it starts with that upfront consulting advisory uh, sales approach. And and I'm not talking about let's get on a phone and do a 15-minute assessment. I'm talking about proper assessment of the environment upfront and understanding what your customers want. That then becomes strategic sale, and and you will drive the whole process if you start there. So you have to start that conversation. and. Um, I was trying to get away from here's the six qualifying questions, which is you know the infamous six qualifying questions. If the answer, if the customer says yes to these, just give us a call and we'll sell it for you. It doesn't work. Um, and if I contemplated the whole of that solution cycle, it starts with the conversation, and our agents can't do that. I, well, most of them can't do that, and I can't train them to do that in a week. Um, and I saw that in Open Spectrum. And I think that was the most interesting thing. Now, you go on beyond that, um, the provider relationships you guys have, the relationships you have around migration and support and ongoing uh, management of the environment. Although you don't do that yourself, you're able to put a wrapper around that. Um, so we, we own the whole complete solution. And that's what customers are looking for because technology has gone auto-catalytic. And for for those of our listeners who don't know what that means, it's my it's my word of the year, or it was last year as well. Um, technology is changing so quickly that it's feeding off itself and changing even quicker. I mean, it's hard enough to keep up with your latest smartphone at home. If you're a, a mid-sized enterprise or even a large enterprise trying to with a huge number of people keeping up with these changes and staying current is almost impossible. And so they can't keep up. And what they're doing is they're turning to their to their partners, in our case, that, that's agent partners, and saying, well, I can't keep up. What do you think? But our agents can't keep up. Um, so, and it's because it's across a broad range of things, SD-WAN, uh, IoT, uh, cloud and its various iterations. Um, and so the, it is a solutions approach, and you, you can't do it on your own. You have to do it through an ecosystem. And yeah. and I just saw you guys fundamentally uh, the entry point to that ecosystem. Yeah, it's a, it's a key point. Um, and the analogy that we like to use with with folks is that you can't, you know, no one can be the heart surgeon, brain surgeon, podiatrist, um, you know, have specialties in all these different areas 
after just a couple of days of training. It takes years and years and years of experience, you know, performing multiple operations, watching operations uh, to become adept uh, with that type of surgery. And that's really basically a perfect parallel into the IT world, right? The, the hardware specialists across all the different platforms, the, the network specialists across all the different types of solutions, the data center specialists across all those different solutions, the, the hosting and hybrid and application management and uh, onboarding into different cloud ramps, um, peering exchanges, internet exchange rooms. It's, it's complicated and it's complex. And anyone who thinks that they can just pick up a book or um, sit in a classroom for two days and get it is you know, kidding themselves. The, the reality is you want to go and get educated so that you can become a general practitioner, right? So right. The, the consultants in the industry who may be a specialist in one area want to become general practitioners so that they can ask a couple you know, key qualifying questions to identify, oh, this sounds like it could be a head issue, but we really need someone who can do a detailed body scan and understand what are all the issues going on so that we can solve the bigger problem that may exist versus just put a Band-Aid on one small component over here. Uh, it's the best way that we found to, to really get people to wrap their heads around the, the value of that ecosystem that you speak of, uh, because it is so absolutely imperative that you bring in people who have that, that detailed level of experience. That's exactly right. And, and if you're an end user trying to do that themselves, you're going to use up an enormous amount of cycles trying to figure it out, as opposed to turning to a trusted advisor, your agent partner when you really should be focusing on app dev. I mean, the secret of today's businesses <clears throat> are about creating a customer experience which differentiates themselves from the guy down the street. Well, how do you do that? Well, you do it in today's world through your know, business intelligence, customer information, um, uh, apps on your smartphone, uh, apps, portals that, uh, you can use vehicle tracking systems, but they're, they're all app development things. And if you're spending all your time trying to figure out this back end, you can't do that. So, and by the way, don't do it. Turn to someone who can do it. And that's what we're trying to create. Yeah, that what's what's key to the business, right? And asking those que questions gets you into a different realm within the organization because a lot of times the the director of network engineer engineering or the director of IT may not even be privy to um, the business conversations that are occurring within the company because they're probably fighting fires all day, every day. So they're That's exactly that. right. Just yep. keeping the yep. lights on. Yeah. It's, um, it's a tough job being in IT day because now what's happening is your, your, your budgets aren't getting any bigger, but you're expected to do more and more. So let's take a step back just for those listeners who aren't, I mean, we're making some assumptions here that people actually understand what the hell a master agency is um, and the benefits and values uh, of, of working with a master. And in some cases, you may not even have a choice, right? But how does the indirect channel operate and what what is it that a master agent is doing um, that, you know, Joe agent who leaves working for a company can't just start on their own? All master agents vary in terms of what they do and what value they add in the value chain. But fundamentally, here's the role of a master agent. Um, if, uh, if someone's just left uh, a service provider, let's call him Joe Flavitt, 
and Joe Flaubert sits in front of a customer, what he wants to be is an independent consultant advisor to that customer. And um, the solution might be a mixture of AT&T, Verizon, Macy, uh, CenturyLink. But they want to be able to, to provide those solutions um, independently. Um, so let's say the customer wanted uh, CenturyLink. Well, the uh, the agent could go to CenturyLink and say, I'd like to sign up direct with you. And CenturyLink, um, although this is changing, might say, yeah, sure, uh, we'll, we'll sign a contract with you and uh, here's the volumes you need to hit. Well, if you've got to hit those volumes to make a competitive pass-through rate, um, you can't contemplate taking on Verizon and Macy, et cetera, because if you don't hit those volumes, you'll either lose your contract um, or your pass-through rate becomes so low you, you, you can't sustain it. So would, isn't it better if you just had a relationship with someone who sat between you and the provider with a broad range of solutions who took care of all those volume commitments for you? Well, that's what we do. So um, instead of having to do a million bucks a year with CenturyLink, you'll have a you know, modest volume commitment with us, but it's nothing like that. So you can actually um, be independent with your, with your customer. Um, secondly, as you, as you start to win business, um, someone still has to track orders, make sure commissions are paid correctly, do trouble ticket. Well, if you're, if you're a sole proprietor, you've got to do all of that yourself. Well, you'll be working 26 hours a day. It's impossible to do. So what you should be looking for is a master agent who takes all of that responsibility off your back and does it for you. And that's what we do. I mean, we have a back office of commissions people, order management people, pricing people who do all of that project management for you. Uh, check all commissions and bills, trouble ticket, um, and helps you get all the pricing up front. So why why can't someone just rely on the carrier or the the service provider to to take care of a lot of that for them? Um, you're talking about the back office support. You're talking about the volume commitment. Uh, the back office support specifically, right? So you know, can't we assume that carriers and service providers will provide regular updates and status updates as to you know where orders are and sit in terms of provisioning? Well. If any of you have Comcast at home, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to Comcast, all the cable companies are the same. Do you enjoy doing business with them when you pick up the phone to support? Um, it, it's hard. They're not like the world I came from. When, the world I came from, and this really was a learning curve to me, um, if, you're a, if you're putting in a big project and one of the routers doesn't work, um, call up Cisco help desk and they overnight another router and it's then the next morning. In this world, when you call up a carrier and say, oh, I'm here doing an install and there's a problem in the network, well, no disrespect to these guys, but most of the people don't care. And it, it's not like an exact science escalating and resolving problems. It's who you know. It's who to escalate to. It's experience of resolving problems working with a carrier. And we've been doing that for 32 years. I mean, our, our relationships are extraordinary, you know, up to very senior executive vice president level. So if there is a problem, getting you escalated in the queue, getting the build out escalated, they're all things that we can do. Now, could you do that yourself as an agent? Well, I guess over time you could build those relationships, but man, it's time consuming and you won't be selling. 
And the other thing, key piece for people to understand is the volume commitments, right? So the the simple fact that you have such volume that comes in and clears through the carriers makes them need to and want to pay attention. So, you know, Joe agent who might only have, you know, two or three deals with the carrier when they're, you know, raising their hand saying, Hey, I need someone to pay attention to this is going to get a different level of attention versus someone who's got two, 300 deals uh, in the queue. So that's, I think, a very important point for people to realize. And it took me, you know, I had a very hard and, and rough learning curve. You know, I'm, I'm the type of person who needs to put my finger in the light socket and get jolted to know I probably shouldn't put my finger in that light socket again. Um, and what I mean by that is when I started and left uh, QTS in July of 2011, I had in my head that I would just build my own master agency that specifically did data center and posting services. And as I built that volume, my underlying assumption was that because I was doing all the upfront um, pre-qualification and really feeding on a silver platter, almost done deals to these carriers, that they would value that and that they would pay attention and you know make, make sure that I got taken care of. And what I realized very quickly is A, managing uh, the commission payments from dozens of vendors is an absolute pain in the ass. And so I started spending so much of my time just managing the back office operation side of the business than I had ever imagined I would or or wanted to. And then the other piece was because I didn't have the volume of a master agent, I basically got crapped on on a regular basis by the carriers. And I may have had a great relationship with the channel manager but the EVP of, EVP of sales who the channel manager reported up to would look at sh- this sheer volume and say, yeah, this guy's, you know, he's not worth us spending time with. And so it just became for me a very easy, um, well, it took me a number of years, but the second I started really feeling pain in terms of legal fees and the sheer volume of time it took me, it, you know, I knew I needed to rethink how I was structuring the business. And that was one of the, the key reasons why. We started talking, and where I really started understanding and valuing that relationship with someone uh, like Microcorp. Yeah, I think there's another reason for some of that behavior by some of the carriers. What well, carriers probably less so, but certainly on the cloud provider side, is um, for them this is a fairly new channel, and their channel programs are evolving and becoming much more mature and robust over time. But as that happens, there's opportunity for confusion between their direct guys, et cetera. And being able to remove that confusion in inverted commas, you need a big stick at the highest level. And that's what we're able to do. So another key question here is why not just let the the carrier or the data center provider, the hosting provider do the pre-qualification with the customer? So, you know, customer comes to the agent or the, the consultant and says, hey, I need a DRAS solution. Uh, and why not just have the, the consultant or the agent just bring in you know, two or three providers and let the customer talk to those providers and let them basically architect the solution for, for the customer versus having uh, you know, someone kind of be the agnostic component prior to them talking to those carriers? Well, the key piece is being agnostic. Um, even bringing in two or three providers, yeah, it, it's way too early in the sales cycle. You've got to be able to understand what it is that the customer is trying to get done and consult with them and advise them. 
You can't do that from a provider perspective. They've got their own agenda. They've got a quota to hit. Um, and in the cloud business, it's just getting more and more complex as people are embracing, you know, the AWS and Azure's environment, the Rackspace environment. Do I build my own data center? In the early days, it was. I think it was. A, it was somewhat easier. It was like it was basically co-location deals. <laughs> well, you look back to when that was. I mean, it's almost laughably simple now. Back then, <laughs> and the providers will not position, will not partner with our agent partner to make them look like this agnostic provider. They will always look like they're, 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 they're tethered together. So isn't there a conflict though? Um, because the, the service providers want access to as many deals as possible to try to fit them into the, you know, the boxes of solutions that they have to sell. And so they're, they're constantly going to want to talk to as many customers as possible, whether they're an ideal fit or not, versus you know, only, only feeding relevant opportunities. And I, I ask this because I, I'm curious for your perspective, and I think we've talked about this in the past, but um, I always bang my head against the wall because I have service providers who are constantly asking, well, where's the volume? Where's the volume? And I ask, well, would you rather have 12 unqualified deals of which one or two might be relevant of which you might win one or would you rather have 10 qualified deals or, or even less four qualified deals of which two or three are likely going to close and the answer is oh well we'll definitely want two or three that will likely close and i say okay well then why are you constantly hounding us for volume and for you know at bats when you're really taking at bats with pitches that you're never going to hit um do you come across those conversations at all? All the time. Um, look, just to be honest about salespeople, I know I include myself in this because you know I carried a bag for years. Um, when your boss comes to you and says, "What are you going to sell this month?" It's what well, I think I'm going to do this, but look at my pipeline. <laughs> my pipeline's huge. It, the, sales guys almost like, keep this with a comfort blanket. It's not about the size of your pipeline. It's well, at least it's not about the unqualified size of your pipeline. It's about the deals you're actually going to win and knowing why you're going to do that. Um, as an agent, your time is precious, precious. You don't want to be chasing around, throwing mud against the wall and hope some of it sticks. You just want to engage with situations that go, yeah, we've got a solution working with the partner. And if we come through that needs analysis, it's not a qualified lead. It's almost a done deal at that point. And you know where you're going to focus your time and your effort. Um, you're just throwing mud up against the wall, bringing in multiple providers all the time. You'll end up with a big pipeline. But most of it won't close because you never spent any time really qualifying what's going on at the front end. And that's really what Open Spectrum brings and, and you know, the new division with us. Um, we will go in and do that proper assessment with your partner. And by the way, we're not going to do it for free. Nothing is for free. Um, I can't remember the last time in any part of my life where I got real value out of something which was free. Um, but I also don't want to go and spend a quarter of a million dollars on an assessment. I want something, an assessment which is accessible and I can engage with. And that's really what we're trying to do here. And if you do those assessments right, you'll know what the solution is going to be. And you will go to, you know, winning three out of four instead of, you know, three out of 
So let, let's talk about the the new division uh, within within Microcorp and how you know most of the people listening probably don't under, don't have experience directly with the um, how things used to be between Open Spectrum and Microcorp. But let's let's specifically speak to the future or now and into the future. You know what is what is Cloud Elements and how does that uh, how is that division going to further enable and empower agents to do more? Okay, so I joined Microcore about four and a half years ago now, and I went to the first um, one-on-one, which is our annual convention when we bring in uh, all of our agent partners. And I think we had, I think it was CompTIA, and stood up and did a few hours education. Now, it was as dry as burnt toast, I've got to be honest, but um, but it was very, very basic. And this nucleus of an idea, as they were talking through the whole cloud story, was, I went, there's no one silver bullet. There's, there's a number of elements to a solution. And the elements are things like the consulting side of things, the migration, um, the ongoing support of that environment. So even back then, I had the concept of cloud elements are the elements of a solution that all come together now it's taken a while to get there but we got it right what we've done is really innovate um so it was a combination of me learning this channel and building the the right relationship um and so we started with you about uh god two years ago maybe a bit more than that um under the team alliance program splitting commissions sharing contracts etc and working with you, I was learning more and more about the cloud business and the elements of a cloud solution and how you go about selling these with great success. So um, this isn't like, oh, we met Open Spectrum, let's go and form a division together. We've had an evolving relationship where I think we both learned a lot about how to be successful in this space. It definitely. And, there's a lot of butt, butt sniffing going on back and forth, right? Just to make sure that uh, things were going to play out the way that we had envisioned. I'm English, careful. <laughs> um, yeah, um, business successful business relationships are formed around good relationships between the people, proven value. And I think that's what we've, we've done. We've built a very close relationship over the years. And we've proven it out. Now, we, we, had, to, we had to course correct and change direction and try this and try that. I mean, if you remember to start with, it was we came up with the Team Alliance program that this is the great program, let's get going. And we couldn't get anybody's attention. Because, you know, our agent partners are rushing around doing their day job, you know, keeping the lights on. Uh, and there's this whole new thing. And how do they how do they get focused on it? So we came up with this concept of the ultimate partner training. And we hold those classrooms um, about once a quarter. We restrict them to about 25 people. Um, our agent partners actually pay to come on and they're with us for a whole week. But they're not just training. It's not death by PowerPoint from a bunch of providers. It's actually the open spectrum training. It's a workshop environment. We divide people up and we form teams early on. Um, you talk about the data center business, how to put proposals together, what it, what's it all about. And then towards the end of the week, those teams take real case studies, question, uh, qualify those those opportunities and come up with a proposal and we have a bit of a competition between them. But you 
walk away from that with uh, the relationships already started with the people in the room, um, including you guys, obviously. Um, knowledge and understanding so you can be that general practitioner in, in your nomenclature. Um, and that's proven very successful because what we did was coming to that, you had to push the pause button from your day-to-day -day jobs. And I remember the very first one we did, I think two weeks later, we closed the first assessment deal. It was a huge one. It was like 20 grand, I think, for the assessment. And the sales cycle was a little long. Um, but I think we're starting to see MRR on that account, like 35,000, 40,000 bucks. Yep. And that all started from, we've got a program. Let's get people focused. And let's go, let's create a platform where you can go away and do business. Bang, off we go. And that was one of the big proof points and one of the big aha moments I think we had was you can't just have a program on PowerPoint. You've got to go and work it, make value, get people together, uh, help educate them on how it all works. And it's been very successful. And to the point you made early on, it's about the relationship and building trust. And I think that's one of the key things that, you know, Open Spectrum is definitely and our team has learned very you know, it took us a while to realize we thought we'd do these trainings. We thought people would come. They'd instantly see the value and, and want to start playing. Uh, but it took us you know, spending a lot of time with these agents and, and building these relationships and really building the trust uh, for us to understand that these folks have very deep relationships with their clients and they're not just going to bring anybody uh, in to have that conversation. So they're going to want to feel us out, make sure that we actually know what the hell we're talking about see us engage with a couple of people around them and then start pulling triggers. And that's, that's kind of been the evolution, but um, now that it's been working, you know, what's, let's, let's move on to that evolution. So what do we have now? So we have the cloud elements division. Uh, we have a team full of people who can speak to hosting hybrid data center or security. Um, if you're an agent and you have, or a consultant in the industry and you have a relationship with a client, what what does that engagement process look like? Well, fundamentally, you the agent partner owns the relationship, and now with uh, Open Spectrum becoming essentially the, uh, the the cloud elements division of Microcore, we can now engage with you as Microcore. So Microcore will come in and do all of that front end um, consultancy with you, but also help you build a complete solution which goes through selecting the right providers, negotiating those contracts with the providers and the end user, um, helping with migration and support of those environments, whether you're going to a physical virtual environment, whether you need to swing equipment, all of those things we will help you with. And then also um, with the ongoing monitoring of and management of that environment. And so um, whereas Open Spectrum and Microcore had a close relationship or an increasingly close relationship. Now you're engaging with Microcore. The best example I can give is the breakfast. If, uh, in the breakfast, the chicken's involved, but the pig's committed. And I think in the past, uh, you guys were the chicken, now you're the pig. <laughs> and that's all um, underwritten by 32 years in business, all of our back office, all of our provider relationships. We are now as one. So. Um, that's how we can engage with you. Now, yep. the engagement model might be slightly different to what you're used to. So an agent is typically a network specialist. 
so they don't need all that consultancy, et cetera, up front. That, that's what they do in the value chain. And for that, you get you get compensated with a certain pass-through um, commission from us. Under this new model, depending on how much teaming you want with us, you'll get a variable pass-through rate. But it will still be very attractive at the end of the day. Better, better than it was under the Team Alliance program, I think, is also key in that there's no, you know, new long contracts that need to be signed. There's no um, individual contracts going to be signed for every single deal uh, that comes across the plate. Uh, and one of the other absolutely critical pieces here is, you know, our role is to help in within Microcorp is to help help these firms build their organizations and provide them the content that they need both on their website and, and physical content and collateral that they can bring to meetings to represent themselves as being much larger uh, of an organization. Oh, I think that's exactly right. I mean, Open Spectrum had some fantastic content, which in this new relationship will now be provided as microcore content and continue to be um, enhanced. I mean, the, um, the regional data center reports you guys do are just fantastic. These, this isn't just picking stuff off the web. It's primary research. It's talking about di uh, directions with energy costs, stability from earthquakes. And you might be thinking, if you listen to this, why does that matter? Well, it matters to end users. I mean, when you pick a data center partner, you're picking them for a long time. It's a big decision for, um, for the company to make. Uh, and the bigger you are, the bigger the decision. You want to make sure that you're getting advice which contemplates all of this risk analysis, which in the boardroom, they're going to start asking questions because they have to. Under governance, they have to ask the question. If we go to this data center provider, what? What's the risk? And it comes down to, you know, does it flood? Is it earthquakes? What are the energy costs? I mean, you know that stuff much better than I do, but it's that depth of experience and collateral that you can bring to our partners. And we can brand that with our partners. We can help you with our website, with your website. We have our Market Right program, whereas if you want to develop your website, we will actually pay for that for you and recover it from your commissions over a long period of time. You won't even notice it. So bringing that content to your website will, will just make you look like you're in a cloud business almost day one. You know, you just mentioned uh, something interesting, which is Microcorp's ability to assist, you know, uh, build some marketing components for an organization and then recouping it via the, the uh, pass-through commissions that are coming through Microcorp down to that agent. What are some of the other, you know, one of the things that I've appreciated most about working with you, Phil, is your ability to think outside of the standard box. And you've thought of some other very interesting ways to add value in that relationship with the, with the agent. You know, what are some of those other ways that you've come up with that uh, are different and unique, uh, but ex extremely valuable to the, to the community that you're working with? Um, well, some of them are formal programs, some of them are informal programs. How we tend to look at our relationships with our partners is it's, it, it's a partnership. I mean, it literally is a partnership. We will invest in your business to help you grow. And different partners have a different view of where they want to invest. But we've done all sorts of things to, to work with our partners, helping them financially. Um, we call it the, uh, the internally, euphemistically, we call it the Microcore Investment Bank. Um, but in a true partnership, we will work on all sorts of levels. Most structured programs we have, uh, for example, is um, controller services. 
and that's a structured program and we will become your controller and um we'll help you with business planning we'll help you with your books um we'll help you manage your commissions and report on your commissions um all sorts of things in that area and a, a number of our partners use that um use that quite a bit i think that's that's key and that was one of the one of the many driving um value adds that i saw within this relationship that made me very interested uh because most most of the agents are very much like me right they're they're salespeople they're marketing people they're big thinkers they like vision uh they want to go out and get deals done dealing with that back office component is a pain in the ass and it's <laughs> it's the least uh favorite part of my job every day and even if i had someone in house who was taking care of it it's still i'd still have to manage that person i'd still have to uh, deal with it on a day-to-day basis. So uh, that ability for uh, for you guys to come in and and take that take that take ownership of that uh, and control of that away uh, from the need uh, uh, making it a need for a, a service for, or a, an agent, I think is absolutely critical. So what's what is going to happen over the next year, two years with Microcorp? What can people expect uh, from from Microcorp moving forward? Um, well, the Cloud Elements Division is just a key initiative uh, for us. So, and that um, when I say data center cloud, it's uh, security, that broad range of things. But thinking a bit more blue sky, everything that we consume in our private lives and in our business lives is going to be delivered through the cloud. Everything is going to be on a recurring revenue basis. Um, I mean, today you can feed your cat across the internet. I mean, it's bizarre. Um, but whether it's IoT, SD-WAN, or software-defined networking, which I think is the next wave or proper wave of SD-WAN, accurately speaking, cloud, security, uh, IoT, they're all recurring. Uh, IT as a service is recurring. Um, and so there's huge opportunity for uh, our agents to capitalize on that. The, the channel that we're all used to is going to go away. And I'm not talking about the agent channel necessarily. I'm talking about the VAR, Interconnect, MSP, consulting channel. It's all going to merge into one channel. So you've got to be We've got to be smart in terms of bringing expertise to our agents to be able to work with us to empower those, empower them to go after those recurring revenue opportunities um, across you know a broad spectrum of technologies, and and the agents who are going to grow and be successful and take exploit this new channel opportunity will be working with us uh, to enable them to do that. If you're relying on just network. If you look at churn rates, you look at the reduction in network costs, which are going on now, which are just extreme and accelerating, and you think you've got a comfortable book of business that's going to see you through for the next 20 years, do some modeling around it, which we can help you with, by the way. And you'll be amazed how quickly your your bidding base goes away. You have to diversify it, but you've got to come to a partner who's going to help you do it in a smart way, You know, not just throw mud against the wall and give you a price quote with a bit of systems engineering support. You've got to do it as part of an ecosystem. 
Yeah, I think that's it's key for a lot of people to understand is that the only constant in life is change and that the way business has been done is not the way business is going to continue to be uh, done into the future. And so if people aren't proactively taking initiative around that, they're going to be left basically screwed um, <laughs> into the future unless they're they're banking a lot of money into a savings account somewhere. Well, let me kind of flip the conversation because I think we've we've hit a lot of topics uh, about master agencies and agents and our relationship. Is, is there anything I've missed that you think we, we should cover there before I, I flip gears? The only thing I'd like to emphasize is what you said earlier about trust. Um, if you're an agent partner of ours and you're talking to a customer, we have a relationship with them on the networking side. Um, it's a big leap of faith to take those conversations into a different direction and expand those conversations. Oftentimes, because frankly, you're worried about disrupting your existing business on the telecom side. My message to you is you don't have a choice because if you don't, someone else is going to and you will lose the networking business. But if you're going to do that, you have to do it on the basis of trust. And that's what we've built up between our two organizations and now the cloud elements division as part of underwritten 100% with, with Microcore, et cetera. Uh, you can do it with on a basis of trust. All right. So let me flip flip the conversation a little bit and ask you a couple of questions that, um, that I think people might be interested in who have known you for a while. Uh, what was the first, do you remember your first experience walking into a data center? Yeah. What was that experience like? I had no idea what to look like look for. I didn't have a clue. I mean, they're quite awe-inspiring places. I mean, with all these racks everywhere. I think the first one, the first one I did was QTS down here in Atlanta, which is a monster <laughs> data center. Was it the, and, the Metro uh, or the Suwannee? Suwannee one. Yeah, so to put that in perspective, it's a little over 300,000 square feet. Um, they used to have bicycles. They used to ride bicycles up and down the aisleways just to get from point A to point B because it was so long. Um, but to your point, it's it was a massive, massive, I mean, truly a data warehouse. So it's quite awe-inspiring, um, but I didn't have a clue what to be looking for, what's important, what's not important. And now I've been through a few of the UPTs, et cetera. I find it interesting to go to a data center because I'm looking for certain things. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually a key point um, because through these trainings, I mean, even people who have been in the industry for uh, a decade plus have, who have come through these trainings walk out having learned something new and a new perspective and appreciation at the end of the day for what's actually occurring in the buildings and how how complicated they are. Um, so what in your in your experience, what was one of those moments that you had where things just kind of a light bulb went off and you started to really understand, you know, what your what your real uh, niche focus was going to be, um, or, or let me let me rephrase that. There's a lot of professionals in the industry who've been working in the industry, but they've never had a moment where they truly understand like what they're great at. At what point, maybe when you were selling vacuums, did you have an like an aha moment where you're like, oh hell yes, this is what I'm doing moving forward? Um, oh god, I think it's. Um... I don't necessarily mean an aha moment. I think it's it's been an evolving thing as I've gone into this recurring revenue, the master agent business. Um, 
I've been involved, as I said earlier, on in channels worldwide on so many different fronts, but I'd never understood this channel. And as as I as as the light came on, the light bulb went on. We said, "Look, the channel's completely changing. It's completely going on its head." And I think that was really like two years ago that started to happen, and starting to position us in this area with an ecosystem was like, wow, that's the future. That's why I'm so excited to be here with, with Microcore. I think we're doing all the right thing to capitalize and help our partners be successful in this convergence of the channel. It's it's amazing to me that how naive providers, carriers, manufacturers are when it comes to channels. But um and I, but they're starting to wake up now. They're starting to understand how this independent consulting type channel is, is the future. What is um, a common misconception that you think service providers have about about the channel? Um, they add no value. They can't do what we don't do. What we do, they don't know our products well enough, and it's nonsense. Um, we're starting to see increasing. Um, they un- they misunderstand the relationship that our partners have. We had recently one guy closed a one point five million dollar a month MRR. One guy, um, and there was no way that the direct rep could have done that deal because it was so complex with, and it was all relationship driven. If you're a service provider who's contemplating, you know. Moving, moving their business into the channel and building that type of relationship um, with some of these master agencies, what what does it take for someone to be successful? Well, the first thing is you've got to, you've got to pick the right master. That if you're just being looked to just to be added to the line card and we'll quote half a rack when it comes along, you're not going to be successful. You've got to find a master who's actually going to create uh, solutions and needs around what you're doing which is this whole complete solutions cycle. So I think that's a key part of it. The next part of it is you've got to be present. And when I'm talking about present, I'm talking about when we do events and ultimate partner training and our one-on-one, come in and get to know other people in the ecosystem, get to know our partners, get to know you folks. And if you do that on a consistent basis, you'll always be in the forefront of consideration once we define what the solution looks like. So what what else? I mean, that's so part of that requires a commitment, right? So it's more than just saying, "Oh, yep, we've got a program, we have an agreement. Here's our agreement." It takes dedicating personnel. It takes yeah. investments. It takes yeah, it takes a got, lot, you've got, right? You you've got to jump on our sponsorship program, um, and our sponsorship program automatically gets you involved with all those events, and you and that's what I mean by being present. Um, we have a different approach to um, the sponsorship. We're not about, you know, hiring a DJ and holding a big party or we're about putting those dollars to work to build those relationships between the provider and uh, and our partner. Um, so whatever level you jump on board and we have, you know, silver, gold, platinum and the diamond category, uh, be part of that. And we put those dollars to work to help you be present and engaged with our people. Um, 
you have to be resourced appropriately. You can't have you know one sales guy up in Seattle trying to support all of us you know down the East Coast. That doesn't work. So be be present with a number of bodies, but also jump into the program. You don't have to formulate what it is. We will do that. I think that's all of that is extremely important. I get hit up, I would say, every other week by a service provider who is hitting me saying, hey, do you have an agreement? You know, we're, we're looking to start a, a channel partner uh, program. You know, do you have an agreement we can use? And my response is always, well, what type of commitment are you actually going to invest into the indirect side of your business? Is it you just hoping that a senior director of sales who's already slam day-to-day doing direct deals is going to be all of a sudden managing this program um or are oh, you actually going to start investing yeah i see i see where you're coming from um what a lot of the data center cloud vendors have uh, evolved to and i think it's really important is the whole teaming agreement where whether your direct person does business direct or they're, they're working with one of our agent partners the compensation is the same so that whole neutral uh, compensation is a key part of it. Um, the other is have integrity in your channel program and stick with it. You can't keep changing rules of engagement and registration. Just uh, have a process, lay out your stool, but then you have to you have to stick with it religiously. Otherwise, it causes confusion and distrust in the channel. Yeah, that's that is. I want to just chime in because that's such a key point. I, it is absolutely frustrating and mind-boggling to me how many organizations change their program and the personnel in that program every six months or at least every nine to 12 months every year for the last four or five years even big companies it is just it's frustrating to no end because it creates so much more work uh, for the agents and the agencies to build new relationships understand the new pricing schemes um, because so much of a sale is selling internally and if a company doesn't know what resources they have who are going to be able to sell internally, they're going to be far less likely to want to integrate that that provider into the mix for a solution because they don't trust that it's actually going to be delivered. No, I think I think that's exactly right. Consistency of people is is, is a key part of it. Um, that's one of the reasons why the channel is so valuable to the providers is that our agents have relationships with customers which go back 15, 20 years. Um, a direct sales rep is like, a, again, no, no disrespect to the folks, it, it's a revolving door. And if you look at the cost of the sale, and this is what is so misunderstood by so many financial people in providers, the biggest cost of the sale is acquiring that relationship and building that relationship. And then if you switch the guy off, you've got to go and do it all again. Uh, but and the you- agent takes that cost away. You just hit on one of the you just hit on one of the key topics I wanted to cover with you is that that financial component because a lot of organizations will say, well, our cost of sale on the indirect side is way higher than it is on the direct side, and I challenge that every time. Um, and the smart the, the companies that are doing significant volume on the indirect side have run those numbers and they realize that that's a farce. And the reason why is you have the personnel, right? You've got the direct sales reps, you have the sales engineers. You have the sales managers, you have the managed regional managers, then you've got the EVPs of sales. So you have a big pyramid scheme on the direct side, all of which are taking a cut. You've got commissions being paid out across all those different levels. And when you add up all those salaries and you add up all those commissions that are being paid, it equates to far more than the percentage that's being paid out to the indirect agent who 
teed up that whole relationship and deal on a silver platter. Um, is there anything else that I'm missing in that economic equation for people to consider? Well, you just put in hard costs that you could pull out of a well-structured um, P&L. As long as you've got all your cost centers and your deal value chain sorted out, it's the softer costs which are, which add to that considerably. You, you don't, as a new direct rep, you don't just walk into XYZ Enterprise and pick up where the other guy left off. You've got to spend another year or two building that relationship before anything comes out of it. And if you then leave the company, which a lot of these guys move around quite a bit, the next guy's got to start again. And that, they're huge costs. Whereas what our agents do is they have consistency through through the years with those relationships. And it's, it, it's a big thing. So the success that you had in the prior companies that you were working with, you know, growing from zero to, you know, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions in, in a couple different instances, what, what primarily was the leading uh, component as to why you think you were so successful? I think it's because, you know, back in the hardware, hardware days with uh, Polycom and Mito, but it, I always put in place a hybrid sales model, which is not dissimilar in many respects to the ecosystem, is that um, a hybrid sales model is, is, is not pushing the channel. It's not just giving them, it's not just about being easy, easy to do business with, although that's a key piece. And given your market materials, that is a key piece. It's when that channel needs help, you're able to help them with someone who understands direct sales. So teaming them up when they needed teaming uh, worked really well. It worked when we started off a call. I changed the same thing in Polycoms, changed the same thing in Mitel. Because the channel can only go so far on their own. Sometimes they just need help. And here we're doing it through an ecosystem. Back then it was really by having a direct sales team. So if you walked back four years, four years and nearly five years ago when you first started at Microcorp, what is what's a piece of advice that you wish you had then that you that you have now? If there's if there isn't one that comes to mind on that, how about back when you first started in the industry at large, right? When you got into tech? Oh, I think I will tell you that the the most important thing which resonates with me today ever was said to me I was uh, I was at God where else? I was God I was at Proteon I was selling routers this is before I uh, joined video server we were selling token ring routers of all things and token ring mix and we had a relationship with Raycal Raycal as you as you would say over here and one of the initiatives I started was Raycal was a worldwide company and for the first time ever, I got all the VPs worldwide together to say, right, what are we going to do together with Proteon? It was very successful. And I was riding in the car. I'm a young sales guy back then. I guess I was like, I don't know, uh, 25, 26, you know, learning your trade, et cetera. And the guy who was driving me back was a seasoned VP out of Florida somewhere. And he picked up his phone, and it was one of those chunky car phones at the time. <laughs> It was that long ago. He said, Jim, I've got to take this call quickly. And he took the call, dealt with it, hung up. And he said, I had to get back to the guy because he said, one thing I've learned from my whole career is in this business, your word is your currency. 
and I've always tried to live by that. And sometimes you're not, you know, you don't do as well as you want to. But as a guiding principle, your word is your currency. Do what you say you're going to do. And in this agent partner world, that's worth more than ever. But um, to me, that was really important. Well, it's, I'm glad you said that because it's one of the key reasons why I appreciate you most <laughs> is because I, being someone who is, uh, you know, tries to operate with the utmost integrity, I've, you know, and part of the reason why I left corporate America is I just got tired of working with people who did not have that integrity, who would tell me whatever they wanted to tell me if they thought it would be able to get me to do what they needed me to do at that moment. And then someone else would walk in the room and they would tell that person something completely different. Um, it drove me absolutely insane because if I can't trust the person that I'm talking to, then how the hell am I going to build a long-term relationship with that person? Um, and in any kind of marriage or, or partnership, you know, that's absolutely key. And I think it's overlooked, unfortunately, by, by a lot of people because of short-term needs, desires, wants, pressures, whatever it might be. Um, but it's, you know, long-term, uh, I think it's detrimental to, to not operate with that ethos. And at least for me personally, as I've been in the industry for the last, God, 12, 13, 15 years, I've seen that those who don't operate with that ethos end up having a hell of a lot harder time, end up moving around to lots of different companies um, and just struggling at the end of the day where they, they build a wake of um, karma, basically, such that when things get, things get crappy, instead of that wake lifting that person up and driving them forward, it actually crashes down on them and drives them even further down. Um, so that's, that's a good, good piece of advice there. I'm, I'm uh, intrigued and, and encouraged to hear you say that. So one of the last questions I've got for you, Phil, because uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know we got a, a lot we got to get back to making this, this cloud elements division work and, and not just work, but thrive because um, we've already proven it's working. But where, where do you see, uh, if there was one, one piece of advice you could give uh, the agent community as they're contemplating you know, where they're going to park their business and how they're going to operate, where, what is some advice that you would give them? You know, you're talking to a brand new agent. Let's say that they just left working for a data center provider or a carrier. You know, they're convinced that becoming an agent is the path that they're going to go. What advice would you give them? You know, let's say it's you, your son, right? Your son has been working for a carrier for four or five years, and he says, "Hey, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about setting up my own agency." What what kind of advice would you? Give? Don't be seduced by the highest pass through rate. Look at the true cost. What you want is you want to be partnering with an organization which is going to be giving you as much support to help you through those difficult times and take the load off. A partnership. You know, it's, it can be lonely out there if you, you've got to do everything yourself. And if the only thing you've based your decision on with your master agency is, well, I get 85% from that one and 75% from that one, so I'm going to go with the 85%, that's, that's not looking at the whole picture. You've got to look at the agency which, which spends real money and time negotiating contracts with providers um, that really protect you as an agent it's something people don't think about it's a bit like trying to sell life insurance to a 21 year old i mean it's kind of a sisyphean task 
And you don't need those contracts until you run into trouble. And I can give you countless examples of where we've been able to protect our Asian partners. We negotiated the right contracts with the right things in place with, with the provider. Look at a master agency, which is going to make sure your commissions are right. If you have to plow through your bank statement or your commission statement every month and pick up errors, and what, uh, that's going to be massively time-consuming. We proactively do that for you. Half the time, we're working on discrepancies that our agents don't even know they have. Um, a company who's going to manage your orders for you, they've got your back, they're going to manage escalations, they're going to help you create a, a, a brand experience with your end-user customers, which is optimized because you know what's going on because we're helping you with that. These are real valuable things. And, and, and choose a master, which is, has experience and is uh, and you can trust one which is, has the highest credentials from an ethical basis. Talk to existing partners and see what they think about what the company does. And I would stand behind all of those with Microsoft. And the uh, you know one other piece of advice I think I would give my son or even your son is that you've got to hustle your ass off. <laughs> well, it's uh, yeah. to get that book of business. You know, there's. There's some uh, sales reps who are in a position where, you know, whether it's in, in violation of their employment agreement with their, their provider that they're currently employed with or not, are doing deals on the side, kind of building a book of business such that they can leave and have a recurring stream that will cover their, their overhead before they officially become agents or consultants. You know, I didn't have that luxury because I took the agreement I had with my service provider seriously at that time. And so I started fresh and from scratch, but it took me grinding, working ridiculous hours as my wife will attest for years on end to build that, that base and those relationships and that trust. And I don't think people fully understand just how uh, hard it is to kind of get these, these firms up off the ground for any entrepreneur, right? It's hard and and it's lonely. I mean, I, you both know, um, lady down here in Atlanta who started her own business. I don't want to talk to her name here, but she, she was finding it hard, but she's, she's been involved with our events. She's networked. She's, she's part of that whole microcore family, which is massively supporting. Um, getting advice from other people, um, teaming with them on deals to, to get some money coming in. Uh, so yes, you've got to hustle, but come to a place which is a, has a supportive family, and that's really what microcore does extremely well. Yeah, that family culture, because it truly is. I mean, it's a family owned business, which is ironic, but the culture there is very, very much family oriented. And the, you can tell by going to any of the events just by the relationships that people have with one another that they've built over the last few decades. And um, it's just, it's very much a family oriented culture. And they will help new people coming into the industry. They're eager to help. It's um, at our most recent uh, SD WAN summit. We invited some providers to watch that. They were completely taken aback of the sharing and openness amongst our, our agent partners. Awesome. Well, Phil, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I think this was great content for not just uh, those who are on the agent side, but service providers and people in the industry just to learn a little bit more about the, the indirect side of the house and specifically what we have going on at Microcorp and how that adds value into the, the general ecosystem of the industry. Um, and my last question for you, which I have for everybody that I interview is, do you love data centers? Of course. All right, Phil. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you very soon.
Peace. So there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed the interview. And before I sign off, I really need you to know that we really do love data centers over here at Open Spectrum. It's not just a a catchy tagline for a podcast. They are our passion and our livelihood. And I encourage you to learn more about how we serve buyers, service providers, agents, master agents, and investors in the data center hosting network and cloud services space. Uh, You can check out our website at www.openspectruminc.com where you can download a mountain of free content that we produce, such as the numerous regional market reports and excerpts from our book, the Data Center Colocation Industry Playbook, that is now on its fourth edition. And I think at this point, we've sold close to over 1,200 copies of the book. You can also read the show notes and links from this podcast at www.openspectruminc.com forward slash I love data centers. Have a great week and I will see you and hopefully hear from you soon.